Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast. My name's Stu Turley. There's been a lot of rumblings going on around this week about COP28, and now we are able to get rid of all the fossil fuels and have low-cost renewable energy. I am so proud of everybody. I've got somebody that has a little inside baseball on energy. I've got Irina Slav from Bulgaria stopping by the podcast this morning. Good morning, Irina. How are you? Good morning, Stu. I'm great. Thank you. Okay, it is 7 a.m. in Dallas here. What time is it in Bulgaria? It's 3 p.m. 3 p.m. <laughs> you know, that's not as bad. I interviewed uh, Grace uh, Stanky. Uh, she was in Dubai last week, and uh, it was midnight here in the U.S., and uh, it was 9 a.m. in Dubai. So, you know, it's... Yeah, sounds like crazy. It, it is, and you kind of lose sleep on that. But I saw everybody, the cop president and everything else, and this cop was just kind of funny because uh, Saudi Aramco showed up. The the it's being held in Dubai, uh, you know, in the UAE oil. Uh, they've got nuclear. Twenty two countries signed on to a nuclear deal uh, and saying, "Hey, we want to uh, really increase uh, nuclear energy." And then all of the climate folks. We're saying we still have to have a deal. And as of yesterday, there was still no deal. Now, I this morning, I'm seeing that, oh, there's yeah, a deal. They did it. Yeah. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What kind of deal can they make when ESG investing is failing? BlackRock has now said that I'm kind of teeing this discussion up. Bill Gates came out and said that uh, climate change is no, not an issue. It's not going to kill us. I saw him interviewed at COP. Oh, climate change is really bad. I guess one of the climate folks caught him in the back room there and said, no, you shouldn't say that. And then Larry Fink said, now from BlackRock, it's okay to invest in ESG funds into oil and gas. So this whole paradigm of climate bad oil bad, renewables good, my head's exploding. I have no idea which way to go. I know exactly how you feel. Actually, the nuclear deal is probably the one good thing that came out of this COP. If, of course, the countries that signed up for it, uh, you know, stay true to their word, right. which you, you never know. But it's good to see nuclear getting the acknowledgement that it deserves. Uh, I mean, the IEA has been saying that we will need nuclear during the transition, but uh, it, it hasn't been amplified too much. The, the, the poor old IEA. Oh, my gosh. You know, if you, <laughs> you always heard that that one thing that says uh, it takes a village to raise a kid or something like that, I think it takes a village to raise an idiot and call it an yeah. IEA. It, it, it's just absolutely unbelievable the hypocrisy that they do it seems like whoever's paying the bill that week is what their report will show My well it seems there's only one pair of the bill these days and like a collective pair of the bill but uh you said hypocrisy the whole cop 28 is like blatant hypocrisy there's 70,000 people attended this meeting, Stu. 70,000 people flew from overseas. Right. Oh, nearly, because I guess a few thousand came from neighboring countries. Right. 
and and then they complained about the lavishness of the whole uh, thing. They they complained about the size of the venue and the absence of corridors where deals could be made. I am not joking. I read this in Bloomberg the other day. Attendants are complaining that it's too big. The place where they're meeting is too big and they can't go into a corner and clinch a deal, which has been done at other meetings. But they ended with a final deal that does not include the words phase out of fossil fuels. But uh, what, what really impressed me was that Essentially, the, the agreement is to start facing down demand for oil and gas. Huh. Yeah, this got my attention well and good. So they're facing not going down. after producers because they couldn't, you know. Right. They made a stand and they won. So they're going after consumers. That's not good news for any of us. Wow. Now, is that... Is an example of that the forcing of the auto manufacturers to go to EVs, even though the consumers don't want them or can't afford them? So if they force the E, so what we're hearing is that they're probably going to knuckle down, double down and triple down on EVs. Yeah, but they can't because GM and Ford are already revising their manufacturing plans for EVs for next year. They're all, they're both cutting production. Did you hear the news about Tesla? Tesla is recalling 2 million cars. They're recalling? They're recalling 2 million cars because of, uh, you know, these investigations of uh, accidents with Teslas when the drivers blame the autopilot. So they're recalling these 2 million cars to fix their autopilot feature so drivers can't misuse it. Um, I know how it sounds. I read Wow. But you know, I think there's more to that story that we're not being told, Irina. And I I think the security issue is there. Uh, Remote control of those cars is possible. Remote driving of those cars is possible. And we saw that with the... They should have thought about that. When If I want a remote control car, I just call my wife and ask her, what do you want me to do? And she tells me exactly where that car is supposed to go. And she controls you remotely. And she controls, you know, it's like, hey, absolutely. I just absolutely say, honey, what do you want? If if the rest of the men in the world would understand what needs to happen. I see this. um, There was a video that, Irina, did you see this where... I think it was somewhere in California, all of the auto delivery robo uh, cars, somebody had all the ones in the city all converge on one address. They all woke really? up. Yes. All the, the, the what they, have? they they just all went to one place and caused a traffic jam. <laughs> Somebody hacked into the um, zero driver cars and they all went to one location. I kid you not. I've got the video. It is a hoot. Well, that's so, proof that they are hackable and successfully hackable. Well done, that hacker, to, you know, highlight the problem. You bet. How would you like to be going to a wedding and having a hacker take your car and drive it off on the side of the road? Where I don't trust anybody is uh, if you have a government that says uh, no driving for you, they're going to all of a sudden your car wakes up in the morning and goes, "Uh, I'm going to go check myself in at the Department of Motor Vehicles. And you no longer have a car. I could see that happening. It's a bleak scenario. I hope it doesn't materialize. I really do. 
I don't. Uh, and, and so when we sit back and we think, okay, every, yay, comp, yay, we have anything. <laughs> I think the. Do you think the markets will win? I mean, because there's a big awakening of everybody saying, "Hey, wait a minute, I gotta eat. I gotta have electricity. I gotta have exactly. natural gas." Exactly. The market will always win one way or another. It's only a question of how much pain people will have to endure before market. Uh, you know, market forces snap back into place after governments give up on trying to manipulate every single aspect of, in this case, the energy commodity markets and, and right. the car market. You can't force people to buy EVs. Um, it's not happening in the U.S. now. I mean, there's all the EVs are piling in the, the used car lot. So in Bulgaria, how many EVs are driving around? I actually... Saw Tesla in our village. No way. And it, it, yes, and I saw it several times, including once when I was returning from town uh, and the, the car was, uh, you know, ahead of me. So apparently its owner lives in the village. We're such a rich village that we have Tesla owners in it. Wow. But yeah, there's the occasional Tesla. There's some uh, of those ridiculous Volkswagens. <laughs> The, the little ones, you know, they look like boxes on wheels. Yeah. There's quite a few of these, but uh, they're not massively popular yet. And they probably won't be massively popular anytime soon, given that we are the one of the biggest uh, secondhand car markets in, in Europe, because Western Europe uh, sells its cars to okay. dealers them to us which is great i like all the cars you know they right. i've said it before they don't have so much electronic stuff in them so to me right. they're safer and more reliable yep I, I miss my 1943 willies uh i had a 43 willies it's a world war ii jeep and i made a mistake and sold it years ago why it's, it's a, I'm an idiot. I should have kept it because there was it was the first year they ever made four wheel drive vehicles. It was just as tough as you can imagine. And uh, it was a great, great vehicle. But um, it was what's called a four cylinder flathead. And uh, it was just tough getting parts for it. So, yeah, I just I really yeah, regret it, that. Yeah, but, but that that's it is a treasure. Oh, uh, especially because it was rich by selling it now. Oh, well, the reason I would want it is because if the sun flares ever happen and an EMP would knock out the power grid, that thing would have survived. <laughs> you would have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think a Tesla is going to survive a sunburst. I don't think so either. Nah, it's too, too Any hard. other EV. No. So with this cop, everybody's coming back out of cop. I've been, I'm going to interview some more folks that were there. And uh, it's I really cannot imagine being around 70,000 of my closest friends. I don't like people. I just, <laughs> Neither uh, do I. I, I just, just don't like people. So now I heard great things about Dubai. They have their new power plant that's out. It's a uh, na uh, nuclear power plant. 25% of the UAE has now got nuclear. Oh, well done. Yay. And it was on, uh, on time, on budget. And I couldn't be more happy for them because that is actually way cool. Yeah. Um, are you seeing a resurgence in the Europe about nuclear? It seems like people are well, starting talking about it. And in Bulgaria, they're talking about finishing the second nuclear power plant. 
but I'm not holding my breath because it's very political because it was Ross Atom that started building it, but then uh, an anti-Russian government came in and ordered suspension of the works. We can't have the Russians build our second nuclear power plant. Let's get an American company. Uh, but I think the American company wanted too much money or couldn't be bothered to build it. I don't remember what happened. And now it's it, it, it has started. The construction and it's been frozen for years. Wow. This is how good we are at planning, you know. That's sad. Yeah. And you know, I I do a lousy you've laughed at my Putin imitation before. Um, and I do a lousy Putin imitation, but if they we are the US Senate uh, or the US House just uh passed a bill to block your uh Russian uranium. Uh, Wait, where are you going to get your uranium from? 20% of our uranium comes from Russia. Yeah, yeah, and, I've heard about that. And, and, it's and, the biggest processor. I mean, you can get uranium from Canada, I think, but you have to process it. Right. So are and, you building a supply chain, too? And uh, those are being held up by permits. And then, <laughs> and then President Biden... Uh, shut down the new uranium mine opportunity uh, and and uh, won't allow us. We have some of the biggest uranium deposits in the world and he won't allow oh, us to mine uranium. it. Yeah. Oh, that's, wow. that, that makes perfect sense. It's very rational and logical. Yeah. Um, great, great. I graduated from Oklahoma State University and I think I'm smarter than those guys. Well, you are. Yeah, yeah that's a stretch. My brother is smarter than them, and she's 12. <laughs> uh, but you sit back and kind of go, well, there's a bunch of farmers up there, and uh, farmers are actually pretty smart. So Yes, they, are, they, they have, have to be. <laughs> well, yeah, if you think about it, they, they have to be smart. If you're so a the, stupid farmer, you won't make it. No, uh, you starve. Uh, but where do we see in World War II, the victory gardens kept the U.S., uh, you know, everybody eating? Are, vic are garden, home gardens a big thing in Bulgaria? Oh, yeah. In villages, everybody has a home garden. And oh, man. Some produce quite, quite a little bit of, uh, you know, whatever. For example, our neighbors have an orchard in their, in oh, their garden nice. or their plot, and they sell the apples and the pears on, at a market in town. But yeah, and we're trying to build a garden for us here by using considerable amounts of fertilizers because our soil is is not really good enough. But we have big plans. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of self-sufficiency to whatever extent it is possible without too much pain. So if right. we have land and we can plant things in it and eat them, of right. course I'm going to do this along with my flowers and, right. you know, pretty things. Right. So, it, it, yeah. The, 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 yes, I think that the more sustainable everybody can be as family uh, on their own. How's the grid stability in Bulgaria right now? Is it pretty stable? Yeah, it's stable because most of our energy comes from nuclear and coal. Well, there's quite a lot of solar in my part of the country, in this part of the country, in the south. And uh, some of it is specially installed to, to sell into the grid. But it's still a minuscule amount of the total power generation. So that's okay. There are people with... Uh, solar rooftop right. installations we're planning to put some panels on our roof because we have uh, you know great exposure to the south and when 
I think I mentioned this last time when whatever government happens to be in power decides to deregulate the household electricity market, electricity prices will go sky high. So for us, it's a kind of hedge, you know, because at least during the summer, we'll have energy to generate ourselves. Yeah. And it makes sense. I I like uh, solar and wind for small personal use. It just seems like it doesn't scale very well. No, it doesn't. No. So, okay. What's coming around the corner for Bulgaria and the EU? I, I have no idea about Bulgaria. I mean, they're just borrowing more money and I don't like this. Uh, they have big transition plans because they listen to everything that Brussels says. Uh, the last thing I read about the European Union is they, they're really determined to, uh, you know, to hit us with carbon taxes. And that might be their last stupid move because already that- uh, opposing parties are coming into power and, and there are European Parliament elections next year right? and things may change. I'll tell you, I think that you just hit a home run, uh, a, a very good on stupidity or no on that may be their last stupidity uh, action that they can do. I think people there is a great awakening happening. And I really yes. think that uh, uh, Ursula is really crossing the line. She was all lines she could find. She and her friends, Absolutely. not the only one. I'm not singling her out. I mean, she's the face of it, but she's not alone. Oh, no. Uh, she's being propped up by a bunch of folks. But here's the thing. People are done. And I think that you're going to see more Brexits. Uh, I think. Well, I, I think so. Uh, uh, well, I, I hope so. I think it's done. But uh, hope you're right. our podcast listeners here heard it second. <laughs> heard it here second. <laughs> Well, you know, one thing is for sure that the European Union will fall and disintegrate because uh, I said on my substack about this running joke in Bulgaria that whenever Bulgaria is on your side, you're going to lose. You're on the losing side of history of whatever battle you're fighting. We were with the Germans in the First World War. We were with the Germans in the Second World War. And look how they ended. Right. And Germany is failing again because of their energy policies. Yeah. And and, uh, I I, I visited with uh, George McMillan a few times and uh, the U.S. has not done a lot of good things around the world. Uh, And uh, it's great to hear an American say this. I love my country. I don't love my leaders. And, Same here. And there are a lot of great Americans. Uh, it's just yeah, um, the leaders of worlds don't necessarily do what the people want. So that's the problem in Europe as well right now. Yeah. They're doing what they want. And they are actually saying as much that they do not care about the interests of their voters. They're trying to mask it, you know. They're trying to convince us that they're doing it for our own good. Well, no, they're not. No, it's we all know it. It's obvious. Well, your Substack is Irina Slav at Substack.com. And I I love your Substack. Uh, and uh, I'm going to encourage everybody to follow, support, and uh, make sure that they get all of your opinions. Because, Irina, I truly love your sense of humor. I'm actually running right now. I'm running a, a, a promotional campaign, a Zoom okay. and Gloom special with 20% off paid subscriptions until the end of January. It's the first time I'm doing this. Very well, exciting. good. 
we'll see how many we can drum up for you. So everybody, <laughs> um, the 20% off, that's pretty cool. If you want more doom and gloom than you already have in your life, please. Sign doom and gloom with humor. You could save a lot of people money by if they subscribe to you rather than get married. They could, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd say rather than get therapy. <laughs> You know, I just have to walk down the hall and I can get all the doom and gloom I want. And and then I have a great wife. She is a she is a saint. But, you know, I I, I, she is. I wouldn't want to put up with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Irina, for stopping by the podcast. I do appreciate you. And we will see you next month. See you next month. I have great holidays.